Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We are moving on from the book of Exodus, and we're looking at another Old Testament book, but this time one of the prophets, the prophet Isaiah, uh, considered one of the major prophets, one of the most famous prophets. And we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 20 today, which is going to kind of introduce uh, the topic and introduce Isaiah to us. To us, So we are in chapter 1, verses 1 through 20, where we read this. These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. These are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts, and infected wounds, without any soothing ointments or bandages. Your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned. Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything they see. Beautiful Jerusalem stands abandoned like a watchman's shelter in a vineyard, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of us, we would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. Listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts, your incense, the incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Come now. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this starts out, first of all, Isaiah identifies himself as coming to speak to uh, Jerusalem and Judea. Jerusalem's the capital of Judea. This is during a time of a divided kingdom. The Israel is the, to the north, but Judah is the primary um, uh, tribe of the south, kind of Reuben sort of folded into that, uh, Benjamin and the fraction of Levi that, that's with them. 
And so Isaiah is speaking his visions uh, from God to uh, the kings of the South. And he paints this really awful picture of, of children who do not have any gratitude. Like he says, even an ox knows its master. You know, even animals are grateful to the ones that care for them. But my very own children, my own people don't respond, don't respect me. Even though they're suffering, they won't uh, turn to me. In Judea at the time, like there is a, a system that doesn't take care of the widows and the orphans. There is injustice of all different kinds. And this is resulting in with everyone having, in essence, blood on their hands. And I think that's a word for, for any nation when we see injustice going on and we're unwilling to do it, do something about it, saying, well, I'm not in control. I'm not part of that. Well, there may be accountability for us in God's eyes, even if we in our own eyes don't think we're accountable. And at the end of this passage, God gives a choice. He said, there's, there's two roads you can go here. If you just come to me, we can sit and reason together. And he said, though your, though your sins are as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though, though they are like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. Like, and some people might even see kind of a connection to the Day of Atonement when they would take the, uh, the uh, blood-wrapped cord of the sacrifice and they would hang it from the temple door. And uh, sometimes, but not always, that, that, that scarlet cord would turn white over a period of time and they would see this as a sign that God had indeed forgiven their sins that they had been atoned for. But in this case, God's saying like, you know, all your worship, I, I count it as false because there's no real heart in it. I don't want all these bulls, these sacrifices, because there's no real heart behind it. And, and so the worship is end up, it's repugnant to God. In fact, he says, there's a very stark choice. You can either choose to uh, return to him and uh, there he's telling the people you can choose to return to him and he'll, he'll wipe your sins clean. He'll, he'll cleanse you from, from red to white. The blood that's on you right now will be cleansed away. Or you can choose to continue the direction you are and God's going to, in essence, he says, I'm going to let you go. You're going to be facing the continued swords of your enemies. I won't protect you. You won't be under my care because you've chosen uh, in essence, to walk away. I've, I've wanted to care for you as my children, but you seem to forget who your father is. And um, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Wow, so much in this passage, uh, so little time. I'm going to go way too fast just because I do think it's packed. Uh, first of all, just noting that uh, Isaiah was doing this prophecy, right? It's going to be a long prophecy we're about to read, right? We're just starting this new book. Um, and he saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. These are four administrations, unlike, you know, what we're used to in, in uh, American politics, where administration is either four or eight years. Uh, no, these go on much longer. So Isaiah has this role of prophecy for, for the nation for, you know, the lifetime of some people. Uh, it's a long, long time. And, and we're going to follow that through the book. He's really chronicling this whole important moment in the history of, of Israel and is trying to kind of negotiate with them through their fall and restoration. And I think it's easy for us to go, okay, that's about Israel. No, 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 no. It's about us, right? This is the whole idea. This, these are gifts are for us. Uh, and so that we also can go through these cycles and we can actually hear God speaking through Isaiah to us in the middle of this. And as part of that, I, you know, I, I hear right in this very beginning, right? That, as you pointed out, the children I raised and cared for rebelled against me. Um, and, uh, and, and there's this, this sense that they, they've forgotten God, right? They, they've forgotten the one who cares for them. Um, and and I, I even love that idea uh, in the end of verse three, my people don't recognize my care for them. And I think how often does that end up being true of us? And how often does that precipitate just terrible things in our lives 
when we forget about God's goodness to us, when we stop being grateful, and we had talked back in the Exodus series about the, the centrality of the discipline of gratefulness, when we stop being grateful for God's care for us, all of a sudden we can start to feel entitled. We can feel cheated. We can feel all these other things, right? We, we, and that is the beginning of our hearts turning hard. And so this constant discipline to remember God's goodness to us isn't just a way of worshiping God. It's a way of protecting ourselves from, from the, uh, the lure, I think, of, of sin and self-centeredness and all this. Um, I also, as you were reading this whole this section uh, about, uh, you know, starting in verse five, why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you realize your head is injured, your heart is sick, you're battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, well, it's infected wounds. Like he's just going on and then he starts now even getting a little bit more. Your country lies in ruins, verse seven, and your towns are burned. And I, I just kind of look, huh, you know, around at our situation today, right, in, in America is, is we are hurting ourselves, right? That, this is what he's saying. It's it's not that somebody else is injuring your head. It's not that somebody else is battering you. It's like you're doing this to yourselves. He's saying, please come back. Stop this. Stop destroying your cities. And, you know, I was reminded, um, Billy Graham said something, in fact, I'm going to get the quote a little bit wrong, but he said something affected it. If God doesn't bring judgment soon on the United States, he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And I, I thought about that as you were reading this. And then, of course, he goes right in and he says, talks about Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 9, uh, verse 10, verse 11, that that whole section, realizing that the same things that they did, we do because we're humans just like they were. And and we have an opportunity to experience God's grace, and God keeps exhorting us, and yet we keep on making these poor choices. So anyway, it just, it feels, this whole passage to me feels so kind of, I don't know, present, uh, so contemporary. Um, but then I think this then gets to the part where I, it, I think we want, where we stopped reading, but I also think it's a good place to stop today. After all of these things, you know, your sacrifice, I don't really care what you do on Sunday, right? For them, it was Saturday, but right, I don't care what you do on the, the, the Sabbath if it's not what you do on the rest of the week. And, and I always tell people, it does not matter what you do on Sunday, right? Worship cannot be simply what you do on Sunday if it's not sort of consonant with what you're doing on Monday and Tuesday, right? If your Sunday worship doesn't show up on Wednesday morning, then it's worthless, and there's this way that we worship on Sunday that is actually now just preparing us for a week long of worship and all these other places. And God's saying, if all it is is this big showy stuff you're going to do on Sundays or, again, Sabbath days, then I don't want it. I don't want these big showy sacrifices. I actually want it to show up in these subtle ways in your life. And that's where verse 16, I love this, is where he starts to turn, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. What does it mean to wash ourselves? Well, okay. Two pieces. First, get your sins out of my sight and give up your evil ways. So stop doing wrong. And then verse 17, learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Right? That, that there's really two parts. It's not just, oh, I really feel bad about it. God, I'm so sorry. That's nice. That's a good start. But it's got to keep going from there. Right? Stop doing these wrong things. Repent isn't just a feeling. It's also an action. Right? It's, it's to you know, re rethink, repent, and then turn and stop doing, start doing something else. And in fact, you've got to start doing good in its place. And so we always talk about the fact we are not saved by human effort. We're saved by Jesus. But 
if we're actually following Jesus, right? If we're, if we're following Jesus towards salvation, it is going to show up in our lives. And I think that's the question is not, did you have a quiet time today? Did you go to church last Sunday? Right? Those are helpful. But what's got to happen, the question is, is are you worshiping God today? And not just in your prayer time, in your your conversations and in your interactions and your transactions, all the other things that you do, are you worshiping God there? That's what God's calling us to do. Are you ex extending mercy and love? That's how God's calling us. And so anyway, I, I just think, wow, what a powerful start. But we already see in this passage, what we're going to see in the whole book, which is this charge, right? Isaiah takes sin seriously. And we're going to hear a lot of that. But right from the beginning, God's longing to be merciful. God's longing to heal. God's longing to restore. And that's true in us as well. God takes sin seriously, but it's not an expression of, of hate. It's an expression of love. God wants to heal and restore us. And so this is where, as we talked about back with Exodus, sin can be good news. If we start to recognize that this sin and we can hate it and turn from it and leave it and be delivered from it, but it starts with naming it confessing it hmm. yeah and like you're saying it has to show up in how we treat others and like orphans and the poor and the widows and all that like these are the people who can't fight for themselves or have who, who don't have the advantages that we do and so justice shows up and love shows up in how we treat them especially of course how we treat everybody but it, it's most clearly seen in how we treat the people who can't fend for themselves that's right dave dave i'm wondering if you would uh, be willing to close the order God, we thank you for your word. We're looking forward to hearing from you in this passage and not just the things you had to say through Isaiah to the people of Israel, but God, we want to hear the things you have to say through Isaiah to us today. God, we want our sins to be washed clean. We want to be white as snow. God, we want to be healed and whole and holy. God, I pray that in this study that you will help us follow you more closely, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. God, we praise, praise you that you are always at work in us and you never give up. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Dave. And thanks everyone for joining us. I hope you're able to join us tomorrow as we continue. We see Isaiah continue with this theme of justice. Go in peace.